Uh, what's up, everybody? Brownwater Banter Podcast. I am Jared Seymour, and I am here today with Andy Taggart. Man, Andy, on the campaign trail running for Attorney General of the great state of Mississippi. Is it's that correct? It's a privilege to be with you, hey, Jared. Thank, thank you so thank, much. For, thank you for the opportunity. Yes, sir. Look, uh, we've been trying to make this interview happen for a little while now, and I'm glad we finally had a chance to Thanks do it. Thanks for your flexibility. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's get right into it. I know you're busy. I know you got a couple stops to make still. Uh, working hard uh, for the election, the, the runoff election coming up next Tuesday. You know, we're correct? days away now from the runoff election on August 27th, Tuesday. That's right. And I've just determined I'm going to sprint all the way through the tape. So we're getting after it. You, you really are. Um, uh, so let's dive right in. First and foremost, can you give people who may not uh, know your full background, can you give them a, a quick kind of, you know, where you started from and how you got to, to running for attorney general today. Thanks. Yeah, I grew up in Moss Point, uh, not very far from where we're sitting right now uh, in, in Ocean Springs. Uh, my family and I have lived in the Jackson metro area really all my adult life. Uh, Karen and I met at Mississippi College, and uh, we've been married, if we make January, we'll be 37 <laughs> years, reared three boys in, in what used to be the country in rural Madison County. They found us. It's not the country anymore, no. but that's where we call home on a day-to-day -day basis. And over the course of my career, it's been my privilege to be involved in Republican politics, really, ever since I was quite young, even even college age, uh, but all my adult life engaged in trying to build uh, Republican uh, conservative principles around the state, working for Republican candidates. And, and then I had the privilege of serving as chief of staff to Governor Kirk Fordyce, who, of course, was our first Republican governor in the modern era. That's right. The the day-to-day uh, -day activity that I've been in, engaged in for my career, though, is the practice of law. And for 34 years, I've been act actively practicing as a courtroom lawyer, uh, represent a lot of uh, interests in the healthcare community, a lot of interests in the business community. Don't do any personal injury work, uh, but otherwise a pretty broad-ranging uh, courtroom practice. Mm -hmm. That's right. And th you mentioned that um, healthcare. That's kind of where we met. Uh, back in 2014, I had the privilege of going to Jackson 2014, 15, and 16, and hanging out with you there three years in a row. And actually, we flew to D.C. together That's in right. 2014. Um, one of the big reasons why I wanted to do this podcast and talk to you was because when you see someone running for election, you know, you might get a 10 second, 20 second clip of, mm. a, of a commercial and that's the only introduction you get to a candidate. Usually that's the case. That's right. right. Well, I have the luxury of three years running ah. of actually having met you and hung out with you in Jackson. I got to Did see. Did I embarrass my family? <laughs> no, not, right. what, no right. not at all. Not at all. Right. Uh, I got to see how well respected you are up there in the Capitol amongst all of our elected officials. Um, it was very impressive. Well, and uh, I was describing you to someone the other day, trying to give them the real quick kind of rundown of your background and who you are. And I, I said, you know, Andy's the kind of guy that'll hold the door open for somebody. And well, I think people around here kind of know what that means, hmm. you know, and policy first, right? And we'll get into that in just a second. But I, I do believe intention and character go hand in hand with that. And I can say, uh, without a doubt, that you, you have that. You have character, well, you have that, integrity, and that means that, a lot. Yeah, that's very, very gracious of you. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna deflect the, the compliment, but I'm gonna agree with you on the premise. Policy does matter, but also what matters is the people that we put in place Absolutely. to try to uh, impress policy on the government. Um, I've been a conservative, as I said, uh, all of my life, and I'm a conservative before I'm a Republican, but I'm a Christian before I'm a conservative. And, and yes, my faith counsels my, my politics. Does that mean that I'm trying to foist my faith upon you? No, but it does bear on what I think ought to be the way that government does its business and how we exercise our individual liberties. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Um, 
what is your what do you how what do you feel the role of the attorney general is and how has that not been being represented here in the past few years if that's how how you no, those are two really important questions and yes that is how i see it uh first of all as you would appreciate most folks don't have a very good working appreciation of the office of attorney general we know about the federal attorney general but the president appoints him we, of right. course we elect our state attorney general but he has two real jobs chief law enforcement official of the state and top lawyer for the state. Now, they're very different jobs, but they're both critically important. As chief law enforcement official of the state, the attorney general's job literally is to be about the business of trying to equip and support and provide the training and, and necessary resources to our sheriff's offices and our police departments and our DA's offices all over the state to help them do their jobs fighting crimes on the street. And I make no bones about it. In my estimation, the attorney general has lost sight of his role as chief law enforcement official and that the gravest danger that we face every day in our communities is drugs. It's not the price of milk in the school cafeteria. It's not Google search algorithm. It's drugs on our streets and the drug predators that, are, that have no concept whatever of the value of life who are trying to profiteer off of drugs. So the very first job is chief law enforcement official. And then important, different, but important is top lawyer. And I have the idea that the attorney general ought to be a practicing lawyer, somebody who's been engaged for his entire career in the courtroom, pressing his client's positions to judges and juries, which is what I think the attorney general ought to be doing on behalf of the people of Mississippi. And you feel that's something that's been lacking over the past few years. You know, a great example of that, Jared, is that we, uh, as you know, the legislature passed the fetal heartbeat bill in this past session of the legislature. The governor signed it into law. And the premise of the bill was that no abortion could be performed once a heartbeat could be detected. Now, people can agree or disagree with that premise, but that, that's the law of the state of Mississippi. Of course, its constitutionality was immediately challenged, mm -hmm. and uh, the attorney general didn't even show up at the hearing for, for the court challenge. And then after the, the statute is stricken on constitutional grounds, he says, well, don't worry, I'm going to appeal it. Well, frankly, I do worry. If, if he's not in, interested enough in protecting the stated public policy of the state of Mississippi to show up at the court hearing, I'm not sure how much enthusiasm he's going to have when he appeals it. Right, right. You you bring up something there with the heartbeat bill. Um, you make no bones about it. You're a conservative. I am. Is that yes. correct? And, and, and a strong pro-life conservative. Absolutely. You uh, recently kind of got attacked uh, on your conservative values. Uh, <laughs> and I was very impressed with how you handled the situation and how you defended yourself. Um, you care to talk a little bit about that? Well, I mean, well, it's funny. Not so much what happened, but that, you know, you are uh, uh a pro-life conservative, Second Amendment supporter, right? right. There's no, there's really, should be no question there. Right. right? In fact, I, I did pull my piece out of my waistband <laughs> for purposes of the interview. But yes, I mean, I carry every day because I carry every day, not because I'm in a campaign. I, I, it Really, I'll tell you, the reason that I laughed is it's kind of laughable to me that anybody would try to assail my conservative right. credentials. I mean, in 1980, I ran the college and university campus campaigns for Ronald Reagan's first election as, uh, to the presidency or first successful election. In 1984, I was state GOP executive executive director, so I was directly involved in the leadership of Ronald Reagan's re-election uh, effort. I helped get Kirk Fordyce elected in 1991 as the first Republican and no uh, governor in, in the modern era, and no one's ever assailed his conservative credentials, served as his chief of staff uh, right alongside him, pressing some very important first-time-ever conservative uh, policies into state government. And for my entire career, both inside state government and as a private citizen, I've worked hard for conservative principles, primarily through the structure of Republican politics. 
So the idea that somehow I'm all of a sudden not a conservative is just laughable. Yeah, it to felt me. like maybe kind of reaching there a little well, bit. Well, I, I, I mean, the bottom line is you're, you're talking about a radio interview that I had. The radio host clearly had a preferred candidate. It wasn't me in that's the race. Right. That's fine. Everybody gets to pick his, his own uh, candidate. I have. But the problem, well, you're very <laughs> gracious. But the problem is uh, his candidate, uh, courtesy of the taxpayers, was funneling ads into his radio program uh, through her office in state government at the same time she was running for a different office. And so all of a sudden he decided that the handy thing to do would be to have Taggart on on uh, the air and to um, to uh, uh, somehow assail my my conservative credentials and it didn't go very well for him. Well, yeah, it didn't, and I was like I say, very impressive interview uh, to say the least. You defended yourself very well. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about is, as I mentioned, 2014 is when when I initially met you. That's right. I remember Chatter. Hard then, to believe it could be five years that's ago. That's right. Yeah, it's if time flies when you're having fun. That's right. Uh, Chatter then, you know, it was, I think it was in all in a bit of fun about how you needed to jump in and run for some type of office, but you, you weren't interested at that time. What changed? And, and if you could speak on that just a little bit. Legit question and not an easy one to answer, but, but I have thought a lot about it. In 2015, I very nearly made the race for attorney general, uh, Jared. Um, Jim Hood had moved to Houston or was about to move to Houston, Mississippi, and all my friends were saying, well, he's tired of the job. He's not going to run for reelection. Turns out they were half right. He moved to Houston and ran for reelection anyway. I almost made that race, but as you know, my wife and I lost our youngest son at age 21 to suicide in 2012, just a, a couple of years before I would have had to make the decision right. about whether to make the race in 2015. And in good conscience, I just knew I wasn't healthy enough to do it. I didn't have a, a deep enough emotional pool to draw from to make a statewide race for about a year. And then if I had been blessed to, to, to be elected, to then serve for four years. But that was 2015, and this is 2019. My, my, my spirit and my soul and my mind are much healthier than they were then. We miss our boy every day. I make no bones about that. But I'm steeled for this effort, and I have been very, very convicted that the way that we can redeem our loss is to press our story to as many people as possible across the state of Mississippi. I, I applaud you for that. Um, I really do. You mentioned that one of your first things that you want to address is the the opioid epidemic that's that's riddled the state of Mississippi. Is that correct? You know that that really is right, and not just opioids, but but drugs in general. Um, the, the we got two very big problems: illicit drugs that just by virtue of even having them are, right. are illegal, right. and then opioids, which by and large are legal and and they, although they can be illegally used and sometimes are illegally prescribed, most of the time that's not the case. Most of the time they are properly prescribed and then later abused. Um, those are two big problems, but they're very different problems, and we have to give very serious attention to both. Well, having just left the, the operating room prior to doing this interview, yes. I, I really like to hear you say that because it's a very complex issue. Right. And to know that someone like you who has uh, you're familiar with the topic, you know, to, to be able to take charge on that. I, I, I look forward to seeing what you can do. Well, I, I appreciate it very much. And uh, unfortunately, in our common parlance, people do sort of merge the two issues and they they think about drugs as the opioid crisis. Well, no, <laughs> there are illegal drugs and there are people that are peddling illegal drugs and they know they're poison when they're peddling it. And they know that it's going to cause people either to die or to have very, very bad health effects. Mm -hmm. That's one category of bad guys. And they ought to go to jail for a very long Absolutely. time. On the other hand, as we've just learned in the last five years, we're dealing with opioids, which have extraordinary properties that just weren't well known to the consuming public until 
pretty recently, the medical profession has become much, much stricter in the way that it will prescribe those. And in all good conscience, the pharmaceutical companies that have manufactured and distributed them are getting a really hard look right now. Mm-hmm. Well, those, those, those are two different ways of dealing with issues. Absolutely. Um, wh- is there anything that you can tell the people that might be listening to this that they don't know about you or or some 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 tidbit that moving into this runoff election that they can that they need to know you know what i would ask is that your uh, listeners and viewers consider going to our website it's andy4ag.com andy4ag.com and there's a button in there about a third of the way down the front page that says 21 truths if they click on that they will see 21 bullet points that i wrote down the day of or the day after i qualified to run that sort of reflect my heart and mind about what we're about and uh, just it's just a few examples one of them is evil is real mm-hmm. another is the world is broken another is redemption still trumps condemnation Another is people who make mistakes should not be treated the same way as people who do evil. But one of my favorite ones on that whole list is I think the people of Mississippi might be interested in having an attorney general who's ridden Route 66 by motorcycle. Now, I bet I'm the only candidate that can say that. that that's that's one that I would have to agree with that. Is there uh, just real quick before we wrap it up? How can you separate yourself from from your uh, your the person that you're running against here? Uh so that people know that before next Tuesday. In all good conscience, purely on qualifications. In the last two years alone, I've argued before the Mississippi Supreme Court, before the Mississippi Court of Appeals, and before the Federal District Court in Jackson. Those are the three courts, Jared, that the Attorney General is most frequently called upon to appear before. And it completely distinguishes me from the other candidates in this race. I don't mean to interrupt, but just another point on that very example I last served and and filed a Supreme Court brief, prepared and filed a Supreme Court brief uh, to the Mississippi Supreme Court five weeks ago in the middle of this campaign. The last one that my primary opponent uh, submitted was almost 25 years ago. So the distinction in the types of law practice in which we've been engaged, mine active, her more as a as a state employee is the key difference in the qualifications that I bring to the table. I think that's the thing that I've learned the most in having done a little research to prep for this uh, interview here. I didn't realize that. And that mean, I think that means a lot if that's the office that you're running for. Wouldn't you agree? It, it seems like it to me that the attorney general ought to actually be a practicing courtroom lawyer so that the people of Mississippi, when they know that they're hiring the state's top lawyer, which is what we're going to do on Tuesday, they can have confidence that this is the kind of person that I'd hire as my lawyer if I had to make that decision. That's right. Well, look, Andy, thanks again so much for taking time out of your busy, busy schedule to sit here and talk with me. I know you got, I know you got to run and you got a lot more stops to make before Tuesday. Uh, So all I could say is, Good luck. I'm going to be cheering for you on the sidelines Thank here. Thank you so and, much. Uh, we'll see how I'm it goes. I'm delighted to have the opportunity. Thank, Thank you, you so you much. Very much. I appreciate it. Thank you.